In today's Hayom Yom, the Rebbe writes that when something really matters to you, you find a way to make it work. Even though um, you may not be the most intelligent person in the world, but if something matters to you, you figure things out. And that's why we find that a lot of... Um, Avram, please turn that thing off. That's why we find that a lot of times when the various... Um, in the Talmud, the various discussions about a woman who cannot find her husband, who was called in the language of Allah and Aguna, the, all the greatest um, minds of Jewish people in history analyze what she says and what she means and what she is trying to perhaps convince the court of through an amazing, genius argument. And so Hayom Yom says, we, why would we expect this woman to have this incredible argument that you know, the, the justices of the Supreme Court wouldn't know? And the answer is, is that when something matters to you, you find a way. So on that note, I wanted to share two stories of the Tzemach Tzedek. In the time of the Tzemach Tzedek, the Rebbe of Chabar, there were many, many women who could not find their husbands because of wars that existed that happened at the time and other reasons. And the Tzemach Tzedek was, his advice was sought by many people. Some people sought his advice because he was a miracle worker, because he had divine inspiration. And some people sought his, his advice because he was the leading Torah giant at the time. And so in order to allow a woman to be, to, to be married again, um, it's, it's a very complicated question. And therefore, the, he was, his advice was consulted both as a, someone with divine inspiration and because of his knowledge of Torah. So this story took place in a city called Kherson. There was a Chabad Chassid who served as the Shochet. He was a ritual slaughterer in this town. And in his home, there was a woman who worked in the home and helped out in the home. And um, she, unfortunately, had no idea where her husband was. And so she was once by the riverbank. And in, the, in Russia at that time, in the summertime, people would do their laundry in the river. And so she was doing her, her laundry, and she saw that there were some soldiers bathing there, and one of the soldiers drowned. And so um, she came back, and she told the shochet, she told the the chassid uh, whose home she was living in, that she saw the soldier that drowned, um, that he was actually her husband. And she knows for sure it was her husband, because she, she, she said that there is various, that the various birthmarks that her husband has, and if this soldier who drowned has these birthmarks, then, um, then this must be the right guy, and then she will be allowed to marry because it is a proof that her husband had died. So it wasn't so simple to go and to examine the body of the soldier, but with effort they were able to release the body, and to examine the body of the soldier to see if indeed the soldier had the birthmarks that she said. And, she, and the, the, the rabbi of the town, together with his chassid, 
examined the body, and it was exactly as she had said. And so the rabbi thought that this was sufficient um, proof, that this was her husband, and he was ready to permit her to get married. However, since this is such a serious question, and he was just a small town rabbi, he didn't want to take the responsibility of allowing her to get married himself. Instead, he decided he wants to send this question to one of the more prominent Torah authorities of the time. So the Chassid said, listen, I'm about to travel to visit the Tzemach Tzedek. It was the holiday of Shavuos was approaching. And when I go to the Tzemach Tzedek, I could present this question. I could, I could give the Tzemach Tzedek what you've written about the subject. And instead of writing to another Torah giant, you'll be able to get a, and who knows when you'll be able to get the response. If you give me the letter now, I'll be able to bring it to him. And uh, Avram, I asked you to turn it off. I'm still waiting to go off. It's not off yet. Thank you. Um, if you, um, uh, if you, um, it's still on. Wait for it to go off. Thank you. Okay. So if you. Um, go to uh, Lubavitch and pre- present this question to the Rebbe, so then I could get an answer right away. So the Chassid traveled and went to the Rebbe. The Rebbe agreed, it's a good idea. And at that time, the Tzemach Tzedek had entrusted his son, Rabbi Shalom Leach, who became later a Rebbe in his own right, um, to, um, to uh, address all the questions that came to the Tzemach Tzedek. This Chassid, this, his son, would, would analyze the questions himself, and then he would present the questions to his father. So because at that time in Lubavitch, there were a lot of guests that had arrived, it was impossible to, uh, for this chassid to see the Samasadik himself. So he decided to just give the question to Rabbi Neach, and Rabbi Neach looked at the question, and he looked, looked at what the rabbi had written, and he said it, was, he was, it sounded very good, and he said this is correct. And... Um, and the uh, the rabbi said that he was willing to. Um, rabbi Shalner said he's willing to um, this, to to give the um, halachic ruling that she's allowed to get married. However, he wants to first check with his father. So it took some time to to, to speak to his father about it, and his father made the following comment. He said to the Tzemach Tzedek what the rabbi had written, and Tzemach Tzedek said, "Epis gechepet, as she connected herself with a soldier. In other words, it sounds like Tzamtzadik was saying that maybe halachically there is room for her to get married, but she's clearly making the story up. She just decided to connect herself with just this random soldier. That's what the Tzamtzadik told his son. And so Rabbi told us to this chassid, he said, that's my father, Sedek. Obviously can't talk to my father more about the subject. He's not answering in a, you know, in, in a way that... Um, leaves any room for doubt, and it's not a halachic question, it's just something he sees, and therefore I'm going to um, um, let's leave this as is. There's nothing to talk about. So the chassid, this shochet, was thinking, what do I tell, what do I tell my, um, my friend, the rabbi in the town? The rabbi in the town, he's not a chassid. I'm going to tell him that this is what the Samach said, but it's not going to resonate with him because it's not in the realm of what this rabbi knows about. He doesn't know about supernatural you know, 
divine inspiration, doesn't know how this works. Doesn't he ever heard of this? It's all foreign to him. So he's not sure what to do. So he goes back to the town, and sure enough, he has a conversation with this rabbi, and as predicted, the rabbi says, listen, if, the rab- if, your, if your rebbe would answer according to the laws of the Torah, so then fine, then I, I would respect it. But he's just answering with something, and I don't know what he's talking about, so I can't really, um, I can't really rely on this question myself to answer myself, but I also don't want to leave things as is. So I'm going to send this letter to another prominent Torah scholar, so he should advocate, he should decide about this question. So they sent, he sent a letter to some other rabbi, and meanwhile, this woman who worked in, the, in this chassid's home, she became very, very sick, and she had to go to the hospital. So because this um, chassid knew that she was uh, very poor, and so he uh, went himself and his family went to bring her food every so often, to um, take care of her. She was alone in the hospital, and so he and his family would visit her and bring her food. She was so sick that she felt her end was near, and she asked the chassid's wife to please ask her husband to come. I have something very important to tell him. She comes to the... Um, the chassid comes and visits her, and the chassid says to her that he's here, and he's, he's, he realizes something serious. She said the following. She said, when I was by the riverbank and I saw the soldiers bathing, I saw the birthmarks on the soldier and I was thinking this would be my ticket out of misery. This guy, I could say that he was the one that died, that he was my husband, and then I'll be able to remarry. So it was a totally made up thing and, and I'm sorry, the chassid summoned, I forgot to mention, she, the, the chassid summoned the rabbi as well. She asked the chassid to bring the rabbi and the rabbi and the chassid heard from her directly what had happened. Now she had just made this thing up, totally. And the rabbi was very happy, of course, number one, because he didn't cause her to remarry. Number two, because of, he just saw the divine inspiration that the Tzemach Tzedek had, just something that was mind-blowing to him. And this, um, um, this woman, after she shared what she had shared, felt terrible. She felt terrible because what the wrong thing that she had done. And the rabbi and the shocha, they tried to comfort her and told her, you didn't do anything wrong yet. It happens, people make mistakes. And she was comforted. And shortly after the, um, this encounter, she had a complete recovery. Shortly after she admitted the truth, miraculously she became 100% better and she returned to work in the chassid's home. That's story number one. Similar story, this is, which is, both of these stories are written in the Sefer, the Kutis Sipurim from Avraham. Second story, very similar story. There was a woman who visited the Tzemach Tzedek. The Tzemach Tzedek, his custom was not to speak to women. Only men would come to her private audience to Tzemach Tzedek. That was his custom. So this woman had come and she didn't know where her husband was. And she was living for many years without her husband. And she wanted the blessing from Tzemach Tzedek that she should be able to find her husband. So she came to the Tzemach Tzedek and the Tzemach Tzedek didn't give her any, any bit of advice and she didn't know what to do. She just stayed there. She stayed there and she started, the people in the, in the household, Tzemach Tzedek felt bad for her. So they hired her as a cook to work in the, in the kitchen of the Rebbe. She's working in the kitchen 
And the family felt really bad for her. So they had this idea. They, they taught one of the Tzemach grandchildren to uh, say the following words to the Tzemach They rehearsed it with him. She should, should say the following words. Zayda, grandfather. So I feel so bad for this lady. We should try to help her, shouldn't we? Something like that. So the Tzemach said, like he said, why should she have to stay here? The Tzemach says, let her, let her stay. So when the family heard that the Rebbe said, let her stay, they said to her, listen, you're in the right place. This is absolutely clear that the Rebbe acknowledges that you are meant to be here. It's not just he's not answering you. His non-answer is actually the answer that you are exactly where you're meant to be. And this, from here, from the Rebbe's home, you will find the answer to your question. So she is very excited. She stays in, in, in the home of Tzimach Tzedek. And a little while later, this guy comes to visit Tzimach Tzedek. And as soon as he opens the door to the, to the room of Tzimach Tzedek and he sees the Rebbe's face, he immediately faints, totally faints. They came to Tzimach Tzedek told him, don't make a big tumult, just go immediately today and send a divorce to your wife. And that's what they did. Immediately, uh, she recognized him, he recognized her, and immediately they got together, they got a rabbi, they got a sofa, they got a scribe, and he sent the divorce. What was the story? So he said the following story. He said that after his marriage, a few years after he was married, he decided that he wants to start he had some, some Yetzirah's evil inclination that crept into him. And he decided he's going to go off to some, some village, middle of Russia, in, where there are no Jews. There are many areas in Russia which had no Jews at the time, like in Siberia, Olga, Volga. And he um, started this business. And, and in general, people who went to these far-off cities were very successful financially. The peasants in the city weren't really into business. And so when someone came with a little bit of enterprise in mind, they, they immediately became very successful. That's what happened to him. He was very successful. And after a few years, he's living there. He married a non-Jewish woman. And he's walking in the marketplace one day. And he sees this old man. This old man's holding a, a thick stick. And the old man says to him, Beryl, that was his name, Beryl, you left a wife and children. You need to give your wife a divorce. And as soon as the man said this to him, the old man said this to, to Beryl, the man disappeared. A little while later, he didn't pay attention to it. A few, a few days later, the same thing happens. This man comes with, with this thick stick, and he says to him exactly the same thing. Beryl, you know you left a wife and children. You have to give your wife a divorce. Then the man disappears. And, Ber- and this Beryl realized this is not a normal story. Something was going on over here. Something otherworldly is happening. He decides that, he should do this, but doesn't even know where his wife is. He decides next time he sees this rabbi, he sees this man with a white beard, he's going to um, ask him what to do. So sure enough, a few days later, the rabbi again appears with a white beard, and he says, Beryl, if you will not go to give your wife a divorce, I'm going to take this staff and tzifletin. Tzifletin is more of a litvish way of saying tzishpaltin. To on a, on a basically break your head and open in half. You better go do this. So Beryl says, where should I go? So the man said, go to the city of Lubavitch. He had no idea where Lubavitch was. He figured it must be some Jewish town. And he traveled from where he lived to some Jewish town. And he figured in this town, he'll discover already 
where Lubavitch was. Lubavitch had already become famous at the time. Tzemach Tzedek had over 600,000 Hasidim. And so he found out where, where, where Tzemach Tzedek was. And when he came to the city of Lubavitch, he came to Tzemach Tzedek, he saw that Tzemach Tzedek was the person that he had met in the marketplace. It was the same person. And after he gave his wife a divorce, he came back to Tzemach Tzedek and he asked Tzemach Tzedek, well, what will be with me? What should I do now? Tzemach Tzedek said to him, should we overlap Sachim? We should go and become a beggar and collect staka. And this man would travel around. This 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 is a story that was shared by the family of the Rebbe Rashab's close friend, Rabbi Yaakov This man was very close to the Hasidim, and he would share his story wherever he went. And uh, that's story number two. Story number three. Since I. Uh, Shared two otherworldly stories, so maybe the next story won't sound so otherworldly. Um, but it takes a little bit of faith to connect with it. Um, recently, um, they had this for bringing in Israel for the students, the alumni of the students in 770 in 1986. Every year, a group of students come from, comes from Israel to, to spend a year in the Rebbe's Yeshiva in 770. And this group got together and he shared some amazing stories. One of them shared the following. He said that um, every um, every Fabrengen that the Rebbe gave, he would always raise his shot glass between the Rebbe's talks and the Rebbe would always acknowledge him and say L'chaim to him. And so he um, would do this every single Fabrengen. Every Fabrengen he would raise his glass as many people did, and as I did, when I was a child, I went to the Rebbe, and I would hold my glass up, and the Rebbe would shake his head, L'chaim Racha. it's a beautiful thing. So, one week, the Rebbe totally ignores him, and he was surprised. Maybe he didn't notice that the Rebbe, but no, the Rebbe ignored him. And then the Rebbe finished the intermission between the two talks, again, a second talk. Second talk, again, the Rebbe acknowledges everyone else, shakes his head, every person holding his truck, but to him, as if he doesn't see him. So he was thinking that every week he goes to put on film with people, but that Friday, for whatever reason, decided he doesn't, need, doesn't want to do it. And he was thinking that this was perhaps noticed, and he decided that from then on, he's not going to miss a week. Every week he's going to go to Manhattan and put on film with people. And that's what he decided, and that's what he made the firm decision. As soon as he made this firm decision, immediately, that was that was looking a whole different. That was looking at the whole different section of the room. They returned to him, and shook his head. Lachaim Levrach, and went back to that section. There was another member of this kvutzah shared the following unbelievable story. It, this story, actually, if you're not familiar with this with this kind of uh, talk of divine inspiration and people who have, who have the gift of hearing things from Hashem Himself, this story I think brings it home a little bit. There was a guy who was a, uh, he was a smoker. And the Rebbe would, before visiting his father-in-law's uh, Ohel, his resting place, he would visit first a mikvah. And when the Rebbe would go to his father-in-law's resting place, he would go with a police escort, and because he went with a police escort, so he wouldn't need to wait at the red lights and go straight. But in the shorter trip from the Rebbe's synagogue, to the, the mikveh, he had no police escort. And because of no police escort, he sometimes 
he would see the Rebbe waiting at a, at a red light. So this young man, he's smoking a cigarette, and who does he see when he's smoking the cigarette? He sees the Rebbe himself looking at him. He didn't say anything. The Rebbe didn't look at him angrily or anything. He just looked at him. And when he saw the Rebbe looking at him while he's smoking the cigarette, he threw the cigarette down and he never again picked up a cigarette. Just the Rebbe look at him, made, made, him, made this, this, this uh, thing that he was into to be something totally tasteless, like, this is not for me. And from then on, he never again uh, picked up a cigarette. Story number four. Similar um, idea. We see the divine inspiration and the Rebbe's blessings of amazing, miraculous proportions. Yeah, Rosie. Oh, I was going to tell you two more stories. Come here. I heard these two stories today from our Bedavid Kasharim, in honor of his father, Shloshim. He um, shared two stories. Story, story number one was that uh, his father um, had managed to leave Iran and gone to Istanbul in Turkey, and he was trying to get to America, and he was, couldn't get out. It was very difficult. A lot of people wanted to leave then. I remember correctly, it was, I remember it was 1973, 1983, he was 1973, 1983, 1983. And he, um, he came to the Rebbe, his, bro- his getting married. It was in the month of Adar. He came with his brother for a blessing uh, to ask that his father be able to arrive in America. The Rebbe said, it will be good news. Rebbe David told his family, for sure, our father's going to be here. He's going to celebrate with us this week. He's going to be here this week. Pretty um, bold statement to say. Rebbe didn't say that clearly, but that's Rebbe David felt. And sure enough, that Wednesday, Rebbe David's father, Rebbe uh, Avram Misha Chaim Olvashalom, went to the American embassy in Istanbul. There were 500 people in the embassy, and they're all waiting to be seen. And as he arrived there, before 10 minutes passed, he hears a announcement in the loudspeaker that Avram Kesherim should come to the window. And he had, Rabbi, um, Rabbi Kunin had arranged a letter from a senator to uh, show that this man should be given this uh, visa or this um, to be allowed to come to America. And he had other papers from other dignitaries in America. And he had a whole packet of things he wanted to show this, this clerk by the window. The clerk looks at all these things, he pushes them aside and he says, listen, why do you want to go? He says, my son's getting married. He says, no problem. And immediately he gives him a visa. And sure enough, as the Kesherim said it, and as the Rebbe's blessing were good news, and he was able to make it to the last Sheva Brachas of, of his son. Story number five, last story for tonight. Till the next story. Okay, stories that goes like this. Rebbe David in, um, was suffering from colitis in uh, 1990. A very severe case of colitis. And Rabbi Kunin told him, Rabbi, you're suffering so much, you should sit down immediately and send a letter to the Rebbe. Send a letter to the Rebbe. And, and the Rebbe's secretary called him back immediately. And he didn't really think, it, he didn't know who was calling him back. He thought of some like, trying to collect stock, I'll call him back the next day. And sure enough, he finds out two days later that the Rebbe's secretary is trying to reach him. The Rebbe's secretary told him, the Rebbe said, that he should be very, very careful. Never wrote twice, very. Very, very careful what he eats and what he drinks. And he should seek the advice 
of a second opinion, second doctor. So anyone's unfortunately familiar with Crohn's and these diseases and tries to get a hold of a, of a good GI, it takes a long time to find a good GI. And this was, this was in um, 1990, it was even harder. And so he called this um, famous doctor in New York that you heard of, um, and the doctor's office answers, and, and they said you could, they'll, the doctor could see you whenever you want. He says, okay, can I come Monday? He says, yeah. How about, what time do you want to come? It's 11 o'clock, okay, no problem. At the exact time you want to come, the doctor can see him, he comes to see the doctor, and the doctor does examination on him for four days in a row, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, He's examining him, working with him. That's why it takes such a long time to get a good GI doctor. It's because the doctors, a GI doctor has to really get into the kishkes. They go into the uh, re real intense examinations. And after four days, he tells him that uh, near UCLA, in Lacante over here, there's a, a great uh, doctor, physician you should go to if he has difficulty. But meanwhile, here's a pill. He gives him a pill. I've said the story as is. He comes out of the doctor's office after his four days of examination. He takes the pill and he throws the pill out in the garbage. And he felt that the Rebbe's blessing was, was just keeping kosher, keeping careful what he eats and drinks. And Baruch Hashem, since the Rebbe's blessing, he, his conditions and symptoms got less and less. It completely disappeared. And uh, till today, Baruch Hashem, he is, is okay, thank God, he lived me well. And, uh, of course, he's very careful in, uh, in the kosher, in the of kosher. I'm not saying that um, the Rebbe didn't say to go to a second opinion, but he felt going hearing, hearing a second opinion was enough. And uh, sure enough, it, for, with his faith, he was able to um, make a vessel for this great blessing and to be gesund and healthy until today. Um, bottom line is, king is in the field. And it's a time when Hashem especially listens to us and hard and fast, immediately, all the things that we ask God for. So Hashem bless each of us and all of us to have a... Uh, and even before we get to the new year, we should already see all the blessing, all the goodness and the sweetness as the King is looking at us and smiling at us as the author writes. We should see all the good news happen immediately. Thank you, Mamish. All our hearts desires for good. We have a nigla, a good tevach, a freilich and shiach now tevach.